Hello, and welcome to The Midlife with Kimberly Sampson and Tracy Feldstein. If you're over 40 and under dead, you're in the right place. Hey there, I'm Kimberly Sampson, and welcome to The Midlife Podcast, where we discuss tools and strategies to turn your midlife crisis into your midlife transformation. Some of what you'll hear is from the recipe I use to get myself out of my own midlife funk. Some of what we'll discuss draws on my career in finance and banking and my experiences with entrepreneurship. All of it, my personal experience and my professional expertise are yours to help you design your next best chapter and thrive. We'll also have a special segment called Reinvented sprinkled in every few weeks. You'll hear from inspiring women who have changed course after 40, proving it's never too late to start something new. Join me. Hello, friends, and welcome to The Midlife. Today's theme is pretty short and sweet, but I think it's a valuable topic that could have exponential benefits for you. I wanted to talk to you about how you set the mood for your life every day. There's a Chris Stapleton song called What Are You Listening To? If you know it, know that it's playing on a loop in my head as I plan this episode, and I feel longing and sadness and loss. When I'm done with you today, I'm going to have to go throw on some Lizzo and sweat away the dread. Music is so powerful, and I love it. I've often wondered how many songs I know the words to. I think it must be thousands, and I'm amazed at the human brain. How do we learn the note progression and categorize the lyrics, and how do we recall them effortlessly even if it's a song we haven't heard in years, or really at this stage in our lives, maybe decades? But ask me who sings it, and I've got nothing. This is very frustrating for my husband, who can not only tell you who sings a song, but which album it was on, what year it came out, and probably can recite the liner notes. But he's one of the cool kids. I am not. The cool kids collected albums, made mixtapes, and went to concerts and dingy bars with fake IDs. I was very happy listening to the radio and purchasing an occasional movie soundtrack. Remember when soundtracks were a thing? This totally worked for me. Someone else curated songs from different artists that got the feeling of the movie. This was perfectly satisfying for me. Honestly, I never would have bought an entire Psychedelic Furs album, so thank goodness for the Pretty in Pink soundtrack. But I want you to think about the soundtrack that you're running in the background, over your dialogue and through the scenes of your everyday. What mood are you setting? Is it passive or is it on purpose? Do you need to upgrade your selections? And your soundtrack isn't just music, but let's start there. We have a tendency to choose music to reinforce our mood, which is great if we're happy and want to keep it going. But hey, we know ourselves, right? We're in a bit of a funk right now, and our music may be playing into it. I often point out that midlife is like a second adolescence. I mean this in a positive way in that we have the opportunity to experience a rapid period of growth through self-exploration. I do not mean that we should be listening to sad and mopey music that drags us deep into the abyss of melancholy. Music is so powerful in its ability to summon feelings deep down. Lyrics only add to the emotion being able to echo every loss, heartbreak, and longing you've ever experienced. So do yourself a favor and check your playlist. Fill it more with Walking on Sunshine and less with I Will Survive. For me, I love country music, but I can only listen to so much before I want to grab a bottle of bourbon, my cut-off jean shorts, a halter top, and leave my husband. And it's not just what you're listening to that's affecting your mood. Be vigilant about where you let your eyes gaze. There are two huge categories here, the news and social media. Look, it was a newsworthy year. 
and I'm an information junkie, so I get it. Global pandemic plus election year was like a daily all-you-can-eat Sunday bar. But also, it's so distracting. And the reality is that all that information on a micro basis truly has very little effect on our day-to-day lives. But what it does have an effect on is your mood. The news is not designed to alert you to all the wonderful things that people are accomplishing or to motivate you to live your best life. So if you can find yourself obsessed by the news like I can, plan no more than two times a day to check in and then check out. I promise you won't miss anything that truly has a meaningful influence on your well-being. Now let's talk about that mood killer in your hand. If you are letting the scroll be your prevailing soundtrack for the day, I'm pretty confident in predicting that your default daily mood is not as good as mine. Can you step back for a moment and acknowledge two things for me? The first is that the reason you spend so much time on social media is because you're not creating opportunities for fun, learning, and engagement in real life. The second is that you are routinely horrified by how much time can evaporate while you bury your nose in your phone. Neither of these are feel-good tunes. Spending all that time on social media probably even triggers a negative thought loop for you. And that FOMO is real. You know how a song gets stuck in your head? So do those bad feelings. And you are letting that crappy chorus play over and over and over all day long every day. You have to break the cycle. I wonder if this has ever happened to any of you, but I noticed that I started to get nauseous from scrolling. I've actually taken Facebook off my phone, not only to stop using it as a distraction from doing the stuff I really need to take care of in real life, but because I was turning green around the gills several times a day. So now that we're committed to reining in what we're listening to, watching, and reading, can we talk about the words we're using? Reflect back for a moment on the way you speak to the people around you. Look, I know we live in command mode in many facets of our lives, but are your greatest hits sung to those around you mostly negative? If you are just constantly barking orders to your family or coworkers, I assure you that you are bringing down the mood for everyone, yourself included. My husband has coached our children in various sports in their limited careers, and somewhere he picked up a tip that would serve us all. Before you criticize someone... Think of three positive things you can say first. Makes it pretty hard to talk shit about someone you don't like if you have to say three nice things first. If you're prone to gossip, and I hope you're not, now's a good time to lose that predilection. Putting that negative energy into the air doesn't serve anyone, least of all you. I promise you, you aren't actually getting any pleasure out of it. Gossip is an ugliness that festers inside. Also, pay attention to the people that want to dish to you. Careful, can you guess who their next topic of conversation is? And so in crafting your personal soundtrack, be selective with the friends you hang out with and talk to. I'm not saying every conversation has to sound like tea with the queen. In fact, I love having thoughtful, intellectual, and challenging conversations with friends. I'm just pointing out that if your conversations are dominated by critiquing and tearing down others, You're encouraging a poisonous environment that will do your personal state of well-being no favors. I also want you to pay attention to how your surroundings contribute to your soundtrack. A majority of your waking hours are either spent at home or work or some combination of, and those spaces can absolutely have an effect on your sense of well-being. For 3,000 years, the Chinese have used the concept of feng shui for just this purpose, to harmonize your surroundings for maximum happiness and abundance. Organization and systems are key to keeping your spaces comfortable and workable. 
If you look at your bedroom, living spaces, or office with a sense of overwhelm, it's time to get busy. Ditch the clutter, clean the mess, and create spaces that bring you calm. I know this is very hard to do. I truly have no attachment to things in my house beyond the people, dog, and photos. In fact, one day I was coming home and there were fire trucks in the vicinity of my house. I had this fleeting thought that it would be so nice if the dog had gotten out, but everything else had burned. And yet I look around and I hem and haw about throwing things out. Just today, Tyler and I were making chocolate chip cookies. Math class, y'all. And in a random drawer, I found an attachment for a pastry bag to decorate cakes. One Mother's Day a hundred years ago, Dave and the kids bought me a cake decorating kit from William Sonoma. It has been used one time when my 20-year-old was three and he wanted to make a princess cake for my mother-in-law. I looked at this nozzle, which is some totally randomly angled, gigantic, weird thing, and I wanted to throw it out, but I didn't. My why may be a little different than yours. If I started purging, I wouldn't be able to stop, and poor Dave would come home to a mostly empty house. Since he is a total hanger honor of things, it could end our marriage. Do you remember loving a song and playing it over and over and over until you were so sick of it? The same thing happens when you physically stay in the same place for too long. Pay attention to how long you work or sit in the same space. You are boring yourself and compromising your mood. Get up, take a break, and move locations. Want to add a tune to your soundtrack to really liven things up? Get outside. Scientists are beginning to find evidence that being in nature has a profound impact on our brains and our behavior, helping us to reduce anxiety and brooding and stress. It actually increases our attention capacity and our creativity and our ability to connect with other people. Nature actually rewires your brain. You have to do everything you can to interrupt the thought patterns that leave you feeling sad and empty. Going outside to appreciate nature is a great way to do that. Now, I have no scientific basis for my next theory, but curious if you feel the same way about TV and books that I do. I think most shows and fiction, no matter how dark or absurd, don't negatively affect your mood. I wonder if there's a switch that allows you to observe rather than absorb the content. For instance, I can read a sad book that leaves me crying at the end, but I feel a sense of peace and accomplishment for having experienced the story. I don't wallow in the sadness. With TV, I tend to stay away from reality-based shows, so since I don't plan on joining a gypsy gang in England, Peaky Blinders on Netflix is amazing, or marrying a really hot Duke of Hastings, any Bridgerton fans out there, it only entertains. My hope is that you'll start paying attention to the soundtrack you're playing and how it's influencing your mood, productivity, and overall sense of well-being. Being aware and present in the moment is going to give you the opportunity to compose a beautiful, uplifting, and inspiring composition to properly accompany the life you want and deserve. I'm hearing chariots of fire for all of you. Now, I promised you short and sweet for the words of wisdom today, so with a little extra time, I wanted to share a few thoughts on parenting. It's been a week for us. On the bright side here in Los Angeles, my high school junior is going to see the inside of a classroom on a hybrid basis. And also the little person's going to be back in school every day, all day. We are definitely returning to some sense of normal with the boys both being back in sports. All of a sudden, the calendar is requiring a little bit more attention. But in the end, I know it's going to be good for everyone. But with that happy bright spot, we got some terrible news in our school community. A senior committed suicide this week. 
My son doesn't know him directly, but he has friends that do. I have no details, but my heart aches. We took it as an opportunity to talk to all the boys about suicide. The little one really can't grasp life not being unicorns farting rainbows. I leave the thought there that sometimes people are sad and they don't know why. You can always come tell daddy and me that you're sad and you don't have to have a reason. The middle boy is processing. I think it's just too close to home for him. He listens to what I say but doesn't offer much back. My conversation with my 20-year-old reassures me that they've all been hearing me. When I told him the news, his reaction was, but things were just about to get better. And that's the point. To constantly reassure your children that while things in the moment may seem dire, everything does get better. I often and probably annoyingly text my big boys almost daily with funny things from Twitter or articles I think they'll find interesting or articles that support my worldview and teachings as if to prove to them they should listen to me. I also do it just to have a point of contact, to say I'm thinking of you. Two weeks back, I sent an article detailing the death of a college sophomore from alcohol poisoning. He'd been participating in a fraternity pledging event. Neither of my boys responded. The conversation about the suicide opened the door for my big boy to mention the article I'd sent and to confide in me that one of his fraternity brothers had to go home last week to attend the funeral of his childhood best friend who had died from alcohol poisoning at another university. All this is to say, your kids are still listening. Even though they're aging out of childhood and some of them are in full-fledged adulthood, keep talking. When my kids were little, I often told them, you know that little voice that tells you mommy wouldn't like what you're doing? You need to listen to that voice. I have some faith that the voice at least is keeping the most major of bad decisions at bay. Most importantly, I know they know they always have a soft spot to land when things get rough. They know nothing is more important to me than their safety and happiness. And also as a parent, I just have to hope that we're lucky. I know we all can reflect back on those moments in our youth that stun us and have us questioning how we made it out alive. Luck? That is my only answer. Your happiness is important to me too. If you want to talk about your soundtrack or parenting humans under the age of 20 as that is my highest level of proficiency thus far, feel free to email or DM me. I really appreciate you being here. If you're finding value and have the time, leaving a rating or review encourages other women to check out this podcast. Thanks for listening.